This is Twa Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph, the only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. This week, Fletcher's flight won't leave United light. And Doc's planning more de-signing delight. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Twa Teams One Street. I'm Tom Duthie. And here, as usual, is Graham Finnan. Hello, everyone. And after two weeks of talking about that great Western star, Slim Pickens, just as things start to liven up again, George Cran's back. Hello. And so is Alan Temple. Hello. So, lads, do you have a nice holiday while we were grafting hard trying to think of something to speak about? It, it, it was really good, yeah. Uh, had, had a wee listen. There Worked was a, on your diction. <laughs> <way. laughs> oh, yes. there, there was a bit too much our growth, I think, so I had to kick kick you in off for this week. Well, you obviously didn't listen to last week because it took us over half an hour and I think it was me that actually said the forbidden one. I, I think that's too much. And what about you, Alan? Did you have a nice holiday? Yeah, my diction's perfect because I didn't get uh, I didn't get abroad. So it was uh, George is clearly because he's been gallivanting to places yes, like yeah. Bulgaria and Greece. He's uh, he's he's lost his grasp of English. Whereas uh, the, as far as I made it was Tumul Valley. So, but it was still lovely. Weather was weather was delightful. I must say it's uh, all good. <laughs> I was going to say that's a, there, there's a, there's words you don't expect to hear together about George Grasp in English. Yeah, it's a, to be fair, we're grading, always attack from a point of weakness. I yeah, we're grading on a curve starting from Tam, <laughs> so it's it's all relative. <laughs> I, I didn't say he was worse than me. <laughs> anyway, before we get down to the local clubs, start with the sad news this week that uh, Scotland's most successful ever manager, Craig Brown, sadly passed away. Uh, we knew it was coming for a week, for a few weeks, unfortunately. But still, sad times and very nice man, guys. Who he had a few years at Dundee, but injury meant his um, appearances were a lot briefer than he would have liked. But he never lost his love for the club and the city, and never lost his love love right up because he used to, he worked for uh, one of our group's papers up in Aberdeen uh, as a columnist and. Regu- re- regularly contributed wise words and it's a sad week for Scottish football because like you say he's actually the only Scottish manager to win more than 30 games mm-hmm. I mean everything you've you've read in the last sort of week or so about Craig Brown there's been absolutely nothing as yeah. you would expect but everything has been nice about just how nice a man he was as well and sometimes I think that you know, what's overlooked is he was a bloody good manager, Tom. Yeah, because he was such a yeah. nice guy. I think he came from that age and, and he was great friends. Yeah. Where the likes of Fergie, he, he knew Jim McLean well. Walter Smith was a great friend. Dick Campbell was a great friend. Jockey Scott, a great friend mm-hmm. and former teammate. And I think maybe because of that era, a manager who could all growl and, yeah. and, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and put you in your place with a look Craig, I didn't know know him well. I knew a lot of people, uh, a lot of older colleagues knew him very well from his time in the city. Other colleagues knew him very well from Scotland. But he was as nice all the time as he was on, on camera or on the radio. He was just, as well as being a top football man, he was an incredibly nice guy. Yeah. And I think people thought, oh, 
there, there must be that a weakness must have been, there. It must have been incredibly difficult to be nice all the time, <laughs> but it looked like he didn't have to work at it. He was genuinely, genuinely a, a nice person, and he got his message across, um, obviously, on the park, because his, his teams performed well. I, mean, I remember, obviously, he took over from Andy Roxborough, which, you know, there were the sceptics out there when, when the SFA appointed, you know, Appointed Craig. Two school teachers. Yeah, absolutely. But he went on to have great success there. And, you know, his legacy continues in the game to this day. The amount of people who have worked under him who have gone on to become well, successful I th- managers I think as on well. That point, Craig, Craig got, and it was unfair on Andy Roxburgh and Craig Brown that it was just them of school teachers. <laughs> what, what, I mean, it was a different It was a different time when they appeared in the mid, mid 80s. And it was like, oh, how are they going to boss? But Craig was actually. Even more than Andy Roxburgh, Craig was ensconced in the football community mm-hmm. and had been for years and years. I, I noticed Jockey Scott uh, in a glowing tribute made the point: Craig was responsible for so many of the modern day coaches mm-hmm. and, and even going back a generation, getting their qualifications because he was instrumental in setting up the SFA coaching schools at Largs, which again. They maybe don't don't get credit where credit due. People come from all around the world to this day mm. to get their qualifications in the Scotland coaching school around about this time of year because it's so good. And Craig had a lot to do with that. One of the first, in fact, the first kind of job in this industry I ever did was volunteering as part of Motherwell's uh, media department, working with Alan Burroughs, who's now obviously... Uh, went on to rather bigger and better things, yes. obviously, up at Aberdeen now. And uh, Craig Brown happened to be the manager uh, at Fur Park at that time. And I, I wouldn't profess to to know him well or have got you know super, super close to him because that would be doing a, a disservice to the people who have yeah. you know really grown close to him and given really you know beautiful tributes in, in recent days. But what I would say is he was wonderfully accommodating, friendly, um, supportive to a young man you know, of of no note and who you don't particularly need to be accommodating mm, yeah. to or particularly nice to. Were, a lot of managers weren't. If you didn't, <laughs> didn't know who you were, they didn't want to know. Yeah, so, uh, and I think that's the mark of a person is, uh, or can be the mark of a person, is how they treat people when there's no particular need to treat them well. There's nothing in it for them necessarily. And he was um, really nurturing, uh, really friendly, helpful, and um, wicked sense of humour, you know, really funny, mm-hmm. um, cheeky, mm-hmm. and just uh, and it was a great time uh, at Motherwell. You know, Stuart McCall came after that, another wonderful guy, and that that feel good factor was in a big part down to down to Craig Brown. And also, what I would say is, you know, to touch very briefly on his on his managerial career there. The team played really good football as well. Yeah. I think people got a, a sense of, you know, he was maybe a, a dour manager in the way that he set up with Scotland, but it was a means to an end. His best, a lot of his better players were defensive-minded mm. players, yeah. and the the team was functional based on what he had in that squad. See, when he went to other clubs, you know, his Motherwell team was an attractive team to watch. His Preston team didn't wasn't always successful, but signed some really good attacking players mm-hmm. for Preston. You know, their fans still speak fondly of some of the recruitment that, that he spearheaded. So, uh, also uh, as as we alluded to there, a better manager than I think some mm-hmm. people uh, give give him credit well, for. He was the first Scotland manager I, I can remember. I don't remember anyone before that. And I was having to look at his record. I think he's the longest serving Scotland manager yeah. of all time, which tells mm-hmm. you that mm-hmm. there was something 
there's absolutely something there in terms of his managerial ability, and we haven't qualified for a World Cup yeah. since. I think he suffered from the fact that we didn't know what was to come. Exactly. You know, yeah. his, his tenure... We didn't know what we had at the time, yeah. yeah. His, his tenure, as it, as it petered out, I think would have been far, far more um, charitably looked at if we'd known <laughs> what was, what to, was, coming. What was coming. coming next. <laughs> exactly. I think yeah. it's only in the, with the benefit of hindsight we realised what a, a good yeah, boss he was. So. And, you know, as I say, wasn't even as defensive as some people thought. No. I think if we knew he what was, was to come. He, he was yeah. very practical with Scotland. And I think practical, we, we, we that's all it. got a bit maybe bored and fed up with the style of play. But when you look back, it's, it was the only style you could play. And as Alan says, if he had other resources, he was quick. He was quick to play a more expansive style yeah. of play, but he, he had what he had at Scotland that time, and the strength was stopping the opposition. It's only now we're getting back to that. Steve Clark yeah, has yeah, got yeah. that same sort of, I don't know what the right expression is, it's almost like a, a kind of spawniness, you know, that the, <laughs> the, the Craig <laughs> yeah. team. You know, even when it's not playing well, you fancy, do you know what, we could nick something here uh -huh. because because we're getting in the habit of doing that, I would say. And in, in the intervening period, maybe only Walter Smith's Scotland had yeah. that, I would say. Um, but that's an art. That doesn't just happen. Mm -hmm. And it's only now under Steve Clark that you're seeing that same... And uh, you would say Steve Clark... I would say Steve Clark's probably got a better team um, in terms of, you know, yeah. the, yeah. the, more, the, the resources. So, so, yeah, sadly missed, but... You know, a, a life really well lived. So it's is, it is one of yeah. those where I think it's nice that people are celebrating uh, mm -hmm. his life rather mm -hmm. than just kind of mourning his loss. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. Anyway, well, we've got you on the mic, Alan. You come back from holiday and Stephen Fletcher leaves United straight away. What did you say, Alan? Um? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not taking the blame for that. I got on well with Stephen. <laughs> no. Uh, it's, yeah, it's a shame that um, Stephen's decided to walk away, but I, I think it's uh, you could tell by... United statement that this is an amicable one. Um, he will be... Uh, the, the fact that it's happened fairly quickly speaks well to both parties as well. I don't think Stephen's been overly difficult to deal with. He just... I think he knows that this is the autumn of his career and he doesn't want to spend that in the championship. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's, that's his prerogative. There will be fans that say, well, you were part of a side that took us to the championship and uh, I'm not here to disabuse them of that that notion but uh, I think if, uh, clearly he will have suitors in the premiership and it's his prerogative that he wants to um, uh, pursue that but I think he can hold his head relatively high, one of very few players that, that did um, he scored 10 goals last season in a barely functioning football team and I think under Jim Goodwin when they started to utilise him in the correct manner you saw what it's kind of rueful because you saw what Stephen Fletcher could yeah. have contributed for the entirety mm -hmm. of the campaign, but um, it's a you know it's a realistic move for him. He wants to be playing at the highest level in Scotland, and also from a United perspective, yes, they could have utilised him in the Championship, but he leaves and frees up a wage that. But you could say feasibly you could be getting two players yeah. in on Stephen Fletcher's money. I don't think that's how it will work necessarily as simple as that because, frankly, a lot of these players that are leaving their wages will just be used to fill shortfalls. Yeah. However, yeah. you know, it, it will help the squad building. And um, I was discussing this with somebody yesterday, you know, United still have plenty up top. You know, it's funny because we were talking about last season in the Premiership. They didn't quite have enough up top because it's a different level. But mm -hmm. see, when you're talking about the Championship, Tony Watt there, you know, you've got Logan Chalmers coming back, Glenn Middleton, Matthew Cujo, 
Chris Mockery, Kai Fotheringham, you know, you've you've actually got quite a lot of attacking players. So I would like to see them get a number another number nine in. Um, just to, to, I was going to see, it does it leave them white in terms of experience yeah. rather than numbers per, and even quality. Perhaps, perhaps, but I think there needs to be a realism, and this is a realism that's we've seen addressed with the likes of Ross Doherty, Kevin Hall, Liam Grimshaw, that type of player coming in. I don't think it needs to be necessarily a Stephen Fletcher. Uh, you know, there. I think you can get another number nine in depth wise, and it doesn't quite need to be a Stephen Fletcher type player. So I think it will work out okay with with all parties, but. Um, it's a shame that it ended the way it did because I know he, <laughs> Stephen Fletcher is a player that really, really busted a gut every time yeah. he went out. The last three games he played for Dundee United, he was not fit to play in those I'm games. Uh, no, he's and all through that season he did a power of run and a power of work, and all the while was in a team that was not the sort of football team that was pitched to him when he joined Dundee United and lesser characters. Um, could have taken it a hell of a lot worse than he did. Um, so um, disappointing the way it ended, but um, in the cavalcade of players that could maybe deserve criticism after last season, I'd have him fairly low on the list. Yeah, yeah does, it, does it not say everything? I mean, Alan touched on it. He is in the autumn of his career, so whereas others can take their medicine, hopefully be back mm. in the Premier League in just over a year's time, he's maybe not got that option and I think the fans understood that. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm really, really disappointed that he has left Dundee United. And, and you didn't tip United to have the league won by a no, goal, mate. No, I'm really, really disappointed he's left. I was hoping beyond hope that he would be one that we that would stay on. But I can understand the reasons behind Stephen Fletcher himself. What Alan's just pointed out, you know, he is in the twilight of his career. Um I think what he did at Dundee United last season proved that he is a, a top quality player and he still has that ability um, you know, to play at the highest level, certainly in, in this country. And he, he won't be short of suitors, I think, St Mern and Motherwell are in. And, and I think, um, you know, his salary at Dundee United, you know, wouldn't have been unsubstantial. He would have been on a decent salary, mm -hmm. but I think it's possible that he will possibly, I would imagine, be able to get that wherever he goes and he may also get an extension to a contract and maybe the case whoever signs him might be willing to, to, to sign Stephen Fletcher for longer than a year maybe he might get a two year deal out of it so yeah really sorry to see him going because I think even though as Alan's pointed out that United do have other options available I think Stephen Fletcher would have made a hell of a difference in that championship you know uh, you know, up top but they've got they do have a few young lads there I think he could have brought them on as well but he has gone you know, and I think I think he goes. The fans will be disappointed, but I think they should respect what he has done yeah. for the club. You know, he never ever. I don't think he. I, I, I wouldn't say he was fantastic in every single game, no. but there wasn't a game that that he was on the park that he, he he didn't give his all. And and sometimes just having, even though you're not playing well, you can still bring something to a game. And he brought plenty to Dundee United. So disappointed to see him go. Um, We'll just have to wait and see who's going to fill that void because there is a void there now, and, mm -hmm. and, and the way Stephen Fletcher leads the line, and you've mentioned likes of Tony Watt, I still think there's a big issue over his future at the club. We'll have to wait and see. Um, obviously, his situation is slightly different because he believes still has two years left on his contract, mm -hmm. and he is also he also has the problem that I think he is injured at this point in time. Yeah, so, he's rehabbing from an ankle injury. I think he'll miss the Viaplay Cup, but the yeah. hope is that he would be back for the start of the Championship yeah. season. So uh, I think there's still a bit of mileage on that to see if he, he, he does pull on a Dundee United shirt next season. But there's a void to be filled 
up top and uh, you know Jim Goodwin has got to get his head around that one. Yeah, I mean, George, since you are back from holiday, you might as well come in here. Too. I mean, as Alan said here, you're not going to replace when you're in the championship, barring a miracle, Stephen Fletcher in terms of the ball at his feet or on his head. But Jim Goodwin will want to replace him with a player that can influence those the young talent around him the way that Stephen Fletcher did. Yeah, you, you definitely need a, a presence in the championship, whether that's the, physically and just being a, a man who can keep the ball at the right end of the park or, or bring on the young players, as, as you mentioned. Because there are some really interesting young players at, at United. Um, I was reading Alan's piece about Chalmers and Declan Glass and how Goodwin tried to sign them previously. Yeah, when he was at Lobos. Yeah, so that's, uh, that's interesting because I like Logan Chalmers. Uh, just kind of waiting for him to really, to really realise that the potential that's there. I think, I think every United fan yeah, has been know. for sort of three or so years now. I think that's the, the frustration, isn't I, it? I was surprised they, they let him go down south to, to Tranmere last uh, well, in January because um, I felt they maybe could have. He'd done really well at Air. Air mm-hmm. were really disappointed to lose him. He's a machine in the Championship. Yeah. You know, the, his last so, two loans in the Championship at Inverness and Air, respectively, he has been f- fantastic. So. If you're Jim Goodwin, you are looking at that and you're thinking he's a proven he's, commodity yeah. at this level. Exactly. And Declan Glass maybe hasn't quite. I was going to say, what, what about Declan Glass? Because he's always, he's always, he's done things. You could put a great video together of Declan Glass and sell mm-hmm. him to a sizable club abroad mm-hmm. if all they're looking at is the video. Because he's, in sporadic moments throughout his career, he's done things that other players can't do. Mm-hmm. But seems that he's never quite fitted at United and it's, it's always puzzled me that. It's it's my understanding that, that Jim really likes him. Okay, that's Jim good. Goodwin really likes him. Um, I think he's made a really positive impact since Jim Goodwin's come in just with his, his work ethic, his willingness to try and bulk up his performances and training because that's the benefit that he's loaned with Cove Rangers was with Cove Rangers, mm-hmm. a part-time club. He could still be yeah. in there and, and mm-hmm. doing the hard yards and impressing Jim Goodwin with his attitude. So... Um, That's interesting because I, I, I didn't see, obviously the Cove were a really struggling team, but I didn't see his move there as, as particular success. No, I didn't play as much as he, he yeah, could, yeah, it absolutely wasn't. I think in terms of what was impressing the United manager, it was probably what he was doing back at Tannadice yeah. rather than what he was doing, well I should say St Andrews, um, rather than what he was doing at, at Cove Rangers. But there'll be, be a real battle in there, that, that midfield situation is mm-hmm. really interesting. Um, you know, because you've got Chris Mockery coming back as I was, well. I was going to... Because he's another one that you're mm-hmm. kind of waiting for that potential to, to be realised. Absolutely. And then you've obviously got Ross Docherty coming into the side. And mm-hmm. um, I think it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting there. And you look at someone like, for think example, Adele. He's got a bit of experience as well now, hasn't he? First team football. Yeah. I, I wonder mm-hmm. about, you know, you look at someone like Dylan Levitt, and I, I, I don't think he'll still be. I don't United player at the end of this transfer window. I just don't think I, I can't see with one year left in his contract. I think United have got one chance to recoup mm-hmm. anything from yeah. Dylan Levitt, get a hefty sell-on fee included on that, and let him go and play at a higher level yeah. and ensure that he's still in the Wales squad and all these things that I think are mutually bene- beneficial. And if that is the case, 
then you look at who's there potentially as ready-made replacement yeah. for somebody in terms of classy ball playing because they can't all just be tough tackling. I know Jim Goodwin wants that, but you know that can't be the entire makeup of your team. It's so a balance, isn't it? Exactly. They didn't have that balance last season. Uh, so if if they do have their tough tackling midfielders in there like mm. you want, you know, with your Ross Doherty type, then. I could see a Declan Glass, you know, staking a claim beside him. He's mm -hmm. a lovely passer of the ball, you know, really nice left foot. As, as I say, it's a, the, when this Fireplay Cup campaign starts, I'm really interested to see what the makeup of that central midfield area is going to look like um, because he's got a few options there and, and boys that are maybe staking a claim that have been, I don't want to say forgotten men because it's a bit disrespectful sometimes, but maybe people that we didn't, expect to be first team players yeah. based on how the last couple of years have gone and i think going back on your point about fletcher going and the, the, the kind of void that's there as, as bear mentioned that, that i think that's why that's so crucial to get a replacement the right replacement in because that can then bring out the qualities of these players that we've just talked about because they'll be set hopefully setting that man up to, to score the goals and get united back where they want to mm -hmm. be I mean, Bear, is it is a Dundee season ticket holder? You could actually have a, a doctorate in the championship. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the T-shirt. I always had that. During my working career, I had the option of going to see United in the Premier League when Dundee were in the championship, like a like a disloyal fan. But, I mean, you know, George knows the championship well. A lot of good, honest players that give their all. But I just think if you've got you, if you're like the Doherty's, your your dogs of uh, war, you get yeah. that right in the midfield. Just a glass type player or or a Levitt if it, if he was to yeah. stay, but I tend to agree with mm. Alan, the wise thing would be to sell. Just that, that between midfield and in the forward line, a clever player can be oh, yeah. worth their weight in gold in the championship, can't they? They are worth their weight in gold, Tom. And, and you speak about Doherty, there's also uh, Craig Sibbald as well, two players who mm -hmm. would, are, are going to really solidify United's midfield. And I think they will, they will, they will start more often than but not. If, so if it's they the players around them. Exactly. Let a number 10 play yeah. by the work they do. Yeah, and, and Declan Glass has that ability, and so does Logan Chalmers. But the time has come now for the both yeah. of them to yeah. step up. There's a, there's a few others coming in, following them. Um, I was going to say, Mikasin is someone I should have yeah. mentioned. Yeah, yeah he's another talented player. They're coming in, but they're just slightly behind but I think for, for Chalmers and Glass in particular now is the time and I, they have got the ability and I just wonder Tom is it, is it a mental thing can they cope with what is going to be United being the big club in that division next season the expectation from the fans you know the weight of expectation can they cope with that pressure at, at Tannadice and, and, and show what they can do Logan Chalmers has done it at Air United, but no disrespect to Air United. Air United aren't Dundee United. You know, Dundee mm. United are going down there. Their fans are expecting them to bounce back at the first time of asking. And the two of them need to hit the ground running. They've got the ability there. As you say, Tom, they've got the ability to go and make mm -hmm. things happen for Dundee United. But Jim Goodwin isn't going to... Um, well, he's going to, they're going to get their chance. We've, we've seen that in the paper this week. They will be given the opportunity. But he's not going to wait for months on end for them to be produced. Yeah. If they're not doing it, they will be out of the team. And for me, that's a concern because where do you go if you're out Dundee United's side? For guys like Chalmers and Glass, if, if they are suddenly find themselves on the periphery, where do they go in their careers from here in the championship if they can't get in that Dundee United side? These four friendlies and then four Viaplay Cup yeah. games are going to be really, really interesting because I do believe, particularly with the central midfield balance, I think he'll start the season not 100% certain mm -hmm. uh, as to who's going to play. You'll have an idea, you know, your guys like 
Glenn Middleton's going to play. I think he'll have an idea what he wants his back four to look like. That could could be a new face or two in that, but he'll have his ideas. Whereas see that midfield area, particularly in terms of where his his inspiration's going to come from. Um, I think that could be fluid, and I think that could be a case of listen, who's who's going to grab the jersey, and yeah. um, that's what I mean when I say you know when you've got guys like you know Glassmikus and Mockery, I wouldn't say they're all similar; they play in slightly different areas of the pitch, but they're all classy, floaty mm-hmm. playmaker types, I would say, and I think it'll be a real battle for the but jersey in, in the championship, Alan. These mm-hmm. are the type of players Aye. who are not going to get an inch of time, an inch of space; they are going to be clamped down. Other managers will go. Use mm-hmm. a young lads that's where, hit them early that's and you'll be a response exactly that's where Docker and Sybil Docker yeah. in that's, yeah. you, you've got as, as with any team in the championship it's about balance you've got your you you know you your magical players and you've got your bouncers that protect them and that's <laughs> that'll be the balance that, that he looks for and that's what United United didn't have enough bouncers protecting their better mm-hmm. players last season and that was that was something that they'll need to fix this season. And I think they've they've gone a long way to fixing it already, to be honest. I think they've yeah. seen some really good as you phrase you use, dogs of war, but um I think now uh, they're looking for uh, a couple of kind of difference makers. Um I think mm. the, the the next top priority is uh, is probably the, the goalkeeper in terms of when we're talking about difference makers. And who will that goalkeeper be? Dundee and United both seem to want Trevor Carson. Definitely won't be Trevor Carson. Definitely won't be Trevor Carson. I don't know. We could probably do some fluid broadcasting and then bring some Dundee <laughs> into this section because I think it is far more likely if if he's coming to in fact if he's coming to Dundee it will be to Dundee because it won't be yeah, to United. Yeah. Um, but you know I think the, the the big competition will probably come from down south because it's not coming from McDermott Park or Tannadice. Alright, so but you never named who it is. <laughs> no, uh, they're talking to a couple. Um, and it's not they're not definitive enough to be worth printing at the moment in time you know how the, <laughs> you know how this works it's, it's, yes it, but I'm the past <laughs> so I can be annoying yeah it's, it's <laughs> tell it, us now there's a couple of a couple of options um, one top target hasn't as far as I can tell hasn't been mentioned anywhere um, not playing in the UK so um, that's who they would like and we'll be sure to write it for you if uh, if kind of things move in a, a positive direction but at the moment you know there is a, there's not a great deal of point of, of throwing names out there when they could just get fans hopes up and they could collapse there's a mm-hmm. long way between starting conversations with a player and getting over the line as everyone you know in this room knows so um that the talks this is not a case of um them wanting trevor carson for example and now scrambling and saying ah they are pretty you know pretty pretty far on in terms of chatting to a couple of other targets and i think trevor carson it became very apparent very quickly that that wasn't a gore in terms of what Marin wanted yeah. in terms of the length of deal that trevor carson would have liked and he's 35 years old so i think there's um I think common sense dictates that that wasn't really a goal for yeah. Dundee United, but they are absolutely still in the market for a goalkeeper. And um, what, what that would mean for, for example, Mark Berigiti is pro- would probably be um, mm. a, a limited United future. Mm. But again, that depends on another year left. So yeah. somebody needs to want him or he needs to want to leave. And that is the pickle that United have got themselves into. That does show Carson does show the level that they're kind of looking at because he is still a very mm. good goalkeeper. Well, it's a top priority uh, mm. for a, you know a goalkeeper. That's why that's why they've not got one in already. If, to put it simplistically, yeah. um, and it's why we are not 
every time we find out about someone they're interested in, why we're not just throwing it in the paper because that would just be silly. You would just be, you know, there are, uh, they've done a lot of due diligence. They've got a lot of targets. They've gone through what would be possible. And I think there's a real determination at United to get this one right because they've yeah. got the last two goalkeepers badly wrong um, in terms of their signings. So, um, though... And uh, I was going to say, because last time they came up uh, under Robbie Nielsen, albeit in a curtailed season, but the, the one that was just the mathematics that had to be confirmed by the time the curtain was brought down on the COVID season. Everybody talked about Lawrence Shankland, us included, quite understandably because he scored an amazing amount of goals. But for me, the reason that United team was head and shoulders above everyone else in the championship in that campaign was Seagrist in goal, Butcher central midfield, Shankland, the spine of their team. Yeah. Was just at a different level from the rest, mm-hmm. and if the, <clears throat> which is why it's it's good to hear a they're working hard on a goalkeeper and b they're they're looking at quality because again, yeah. I think it's also not, look, obviously looking at an age thing. I mean, I mean Trevor Carson isn't a young keeper, no, vastly experienced now, but that, it shows that they're willing to bring in somebody, you know, in their thirties who's who's been. I think. I think you you can wait for a goalkeeper. Obviously, you you, you can't mm-hmm. wait for months on end. But there will be keepers out there, you know, jobbing keepers in England who can come up. Do you and, bring your glasses? And, and, <laughs> 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 quite. Um, uh, they haven't been on the phone as yet, but we'll wait and see. You know, it's it's early in this in the campaign. But no, um, I think that they will be looking for an experienced man, and I think there are there will be keepers out there that would find Dungeon Dungeon an attractive move, especially the, the fact that they're going to get. Games, yeah, you know. I mean, you saw when Dundee signed Adam Legsons, who was Adam Legsons? People, that, yeah. that was the question. But he came in and did a very good job for Dundee. And I, I'm not saying he's been outstandingly brilliant, but he's been a steady Eddie, you know, over the course of his time at and, Dens, and that's what you need. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. And I think that's what that's what they will be be looking for. Um, but uh, you know, I think they, I think they can afford to wait. I, I mean, I think they've, they've got a bit of time on their side, side in terms of the goalkeeping situation. So we just need a striker then. And it's sort of my predictions back on to oh, I must have And a right sided centre half or two would oh, be stop useful. Stop it, as you well. I'm having enough sleep, sleepless nights <laughs> over my rash prediction. <laughs> I think I've got a single right footed centre back, <laughs> which is quite, uh, quite, I, quite the start to the season. I always thought right footed players were overrated myself. Yeah, well. I think the, the situation you're to find themselves in is. is the fact they're in the championship, players will have offers elsewhere. Agents yeah. will be putting, you know, can can they get a club in the Premiership? And that's that's the situation. You know, regardless of how big a club they are, you know, you have to get players who are really wanting to come to the second tier of Scottish football. Now, as we've seen and we spoke about this last week, Kevin Hall and and Doherty coming to Dungeon United, Grimshaw coming to Dungeon United. Well, they're all experienced players. I'm sure they will still see that as a step up in their career. You know, mm-hmm. you know, coming to coming to Tanadice, and it's, it's how do you get somebody to get their head around coming to Scotland and, and dropping down? Now you can do that in in two ways. It's pay the size of the, the, size of the club money. is why guys yeah. will be speaking to yeah. them. The size of the leagues why yeah. guys will be speaking to their agent saying, "Is there anything else?" Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and the size of the contract could determine you know whether yeah. they, whether they come or not. And I'm sure that in terms of the championship, Dundee United will still be. Certainly, one of the biggest players, if not the biggest, biggest playing club. But they've only, they've not got a, you know an unlimited resource of finance here. Term mm-hmm. they've taken a massive hit yep. and dropping out. They're still playing, paying big money for players that you know they maybe want off the books. So it's a 
you know, it's, it's going to take a wee bit of coming and going over the next few weeks before probably Jim Goodwin finds out exactly where he is in terms of what he can spend on, on certain players. One issue definitely is the fact that when an agent comes and sits down with Dundee United, there is a perception of what your starting number can be when you're speaking to Dundee United. And a lot of them spoke to them last year. Exactly. But you know, I was just about to say, that, and if you were to be critical, you would suggest that United have maybe set that bar yeah. too high based on overpaying for certain players um, in previous seasons. Um, so that is an issue because Dundee United are probably sitting down talking to players wanting to have a discussion about realistic championship wages, yeah. whereas agents, certainly as a starting point, are sitting down and see themselves as speaking to Dundee United, the big football, the sixth biggest team in Scottish football. So uh, that's that can be problematic, and, and that will uh, be a challenge to find a middle ground with players who perhaps don't necessarily see United as an, um, as an undoubted step up, which, you know, the three players that you mentioned will see that as a step up. So that's that's an easier negotiation. So, yeah, there's a, there'll definitely be a, a challenge in, in that regard. But it's, you know, they've got three in already. I know there's been mm -hmm. a lot out the door, but they've still got a, re you know, a, a relatively um, decent squad. It needs experience. It needs numbers in certain areas. But there's, what, nine weeks left of the transfer window or something? So the, a degree of patience can be required. And, um, yeah, I'm sure by... Certainly, by the start of the Viaplay Cup uh, campaign, I'm sure there'd be a. They would hope to have their goalkeeper in. Um, maybe a, you know, maybe another one beyond that. But if it takes longer, it takes longer. Yeah. The, the important the big thing is to start at the league. Exactly. You know, I'm, exactly. I'm like a lot of fans now that I'm back to being a fan. I, I, I was thinking over the weekend here. Oh, it's only in, by this Saturday. It's two weeks to the first competitive games uh, in the Scottish season, and you start to get panicky. But really. You hope that your team can negotiate the via pay, via play cup group successfully, but the big thing's been almost ready in terms of personnel for the first league game, isn't it? Yeah, and their first, also the first via play cup game, and this hasn't been disrespectful in any way because they're a club that I'm very fond of, and we're actually a, a local team of mine. Uh, you know, for a lot of my life, uh, first games against Spartans. You know, it's it's, it's not. A, I didn't know you were Greek. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, cheap very joke. good. Very good. Very good. Uh, so it's you know that's a game that you would hope they would be able to negotiate, even if they don't have a their complete squad in yeah. place. Um, it then obviously does get tougher. You know, Partick Thistle is a game they would look to put a marker down in Falkirk in the group as well, for example. But. Yeah, I I agree with you. The the priority has to be the league. The priority has to be getting back to the Premiership, and if it takes a wee bit longer to get the right bodies in, then so be it. And particularly, I would say in the goalkeeping and centre half uh, signings, they need to be absolutely bang on um, with the goalkeeper, very top of that list. Um, whoever it is that they do finally convince to to come um, needs to be the right man because the last two have been categorically the wrong signings. Moving swiftly on, George's notes say that Kevin McDonald opens up on shocking performances at United. Has Kevin been a bit hard on himself, seeing as he was coming back from a kidney transplant? I think it speaks to the standards he sets himself, yeah. which is probably why he's made it back. Um, yeah. It was interesting reading uh, the story that um, he was surprised at how, how low down the rungs he had to go after. after 
which tells you the levels that he felt he was still mm -hmm. at, even though when he first came back, it, it was a, it was a struggle to even run up the pitch. He basically said, didn't he? Yeah. So another example of it: football, modern football, is a business. And yeah. Kevin's done great to come back, but not many people thought he was going to come back. Ah. And money's tight. Folk, folk weren't going to take a chance, even for maybe a six-month contract or, or less, because budgets I are I so I think tight that's all the over thing. The there's no denying if Kevin McDonald yeah. would have had offers, but you're right. I mean, given the, the illness that he'd suffered, his fitness levels, you know, could you guarantee we're going to get Kevin McDonald in the park often enough to produce? Well, United gave him a chance. It'd be managers all over Britain rubbing their hands with glee, saying, well, I hope this laddie... Yeah. Proves his fitness because we'll make him an offer, yeah. Yeah. but nobody, nobody wanted to spend the money, the initial money, and well done to United for giving him his chance because yeah. it's got him back playing. Yeah. Incredibly honest, <laughs> opening up on his shocking performances. What would say, Kevin is during that period he was not alone yes, he with wasn't a <laughs> shocking <laughs> performances at Tarley. There were quite a few others in there, but uh, yeah, he's a player that we know well uh, in this neck of the woods, and hopefully he's still got another couple of years. In, in the tank and, and, and can go on and, and, and show just he's been a ter terrific professional to get back from, mm -hmm. from where he's been to get back to any sort of level professional football has obviously been a battle for him so yeah hopefully he can go on and, and produce over the next few years at Bradford that's what elite mentality is about isn't yeah, it like yeah. it's, so, yeah. you know that's what separates these people from us mortals and <laughs> and never has been it's uh, the, that kind of self-criticism and self-determination mm. of uh, you know when a, a guy's come back from a genuinely life-threatening kidney illness he's come back from a kidney transplant and he's criticizing his first performances you know <laughs> that's that's the drive that separates uh, these people and it's why he's made have a, to say, remembering kevin is intense he was very good at hiding that drive <laughs> he was very laid-back lad very easy going boy yeah. but he's obviously got it in him because look what he did in his yeah. career. And also, you know, it might not be the level that they would like to be at, but mm. Bradford City's a right big club, you know. Yeah. See, yeah. Even if, see, even if Kevin McDonald hadn't gone through the things he's gone through, at this stage of his career, 34 years old, I think, for him to be playing for Bradford is still really yeah. impressive. Yeah. And playing under Mark Hughes, they'll be going for the title next season um, after narrowly missing out you know, through the playoffs last season. I think it's, it's, I it's beyond impressive. It really is. Home playoff games. Huge crowd they had. One hundred percent. Yeah, I think mm. I, I, I saw the, the the same game. Young Scott Bank got a, an assist. Scott Banks got an assist for Jamie Walker. It was very SPFL. Oh, fantastic. I Jamie Walker. <laughs> Scott Banks escaped me. Yeah. Afraid. So um, huge club, loads of potential, and it's uh, yeah, I think it's fantastic to to see him back. And I think he can speak to those early performances at Dundee United. Um, from a position of now being able to reflect with a degree of he's moved uh, on from yeah, yeah. content contentedness because yeah. mm -hmm. he's you know he's basically saying you know that was me at a stage where I, I you know I didn't think I was reaching the levels that he is now showing so yeah a feel good story on uh, so many levels so many levels and before we move across the road big Duncan Ferguson. Would like Raymond McKinnon to join him at Forest yeah. Green. Breaking news on this. If you'd have said that, yeah. if you'd have said that in the early nineties, <laughs> especially Raymond. I hope Raymond's not listening because you're coming at me over the head with a stick. But when they were boys, there's two people you didn't think would go into management. <laughs> but, and Ray, Raymond's such a, Raymond's such a thoughtful, uh, astute. 
tactician. I can understand exactly why Duncan Ferguson wants him on board. He's done done a great job at Forfa. And hasn't, well, Swood Morton would disagree because he only stayed about two weeks. Mm. But um, <laughs> for all he's, he's been sacked a couple of times, he's never really done a bad job anywhere. Done a bad job at Falkirk. Yeah, Falkirk might disagree, yeah. <laughs> but we can. But other than that, uh, it's yeah. Uh, yeah he's uh, he's like any manager that's had a few jobs. Some are good, some are bad. Like it's yeah. like it's you know there are myriad circumstances between why a job can go well or, or mm. badly, and these are a couple that have gone badly. But he's a very very capable football manager. And in, in the time that we've been in this room, Forfar have tweeted that um, they've received an approach, and, and and Ray wants to to speak to them. So. Um, I think the wheels are very much in motion and I think that will happen. So um, it's a great opportunity um, for Ray McKinnon. It's, they've got a lot of um, really interesting club for Green Rovers. Mm. You know, I, when I, I've spoken to a couple of players that have gone down there in the past, Regan Hendry, for example, and um, really, aside from all the vegan stuff and all that stuff that's very, you know, you know tabloid friendly, very modern club, lots of good resources there, see themselves potentially one day reaching the championship you know they are mm-hmm. ambitious so um be really fascinating to see how uh, how duncan ferguson does with with ray there and and i think it'll be good for duncan ferguson because i think we can forget that first managerial role yeah. and he was dumped into a relegation battle yeah. only won one game towards the tail end of last season mm-hmm. so He'll still be finding his feet in terms of what his perfect coaching setup will look like, and if if an old friend who happens to be a a right good <laughs> coach can help, then great. well, he's getting. I mean, he's he's getting somebody. If Raymond goes there, he's getting somebody he knows very well, and who's also now a very experienced coach and manager, which has to be great for Ferguson in his first job. And what's good for Raymond if he comes up with a tactical plan and Big Dunk says to the players, "You better do it." I'll do it. I'll be wanting to keep an eye on next season anyway. It gives you a bit of interest, and 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 as a step up, let's let's be honest. For Ray, I mean, he's working at a different a different level now. Even though he's going down there, probably be assistant to Dunk. Um, you know, for for Athletic and Forest Green are, are operating at a completely different yeah uh, level. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see how it all pans out. Great stuff. Do you like a true crime podcast, Bear? I do, especially if it's local. What if I told you about a podcast that tells the story of a massive cocaine smuggling operation involving a man from Blair Gowrie who did a deal with the Cali cartel to import £100 million of uncut cocaine to Scotland? I'm listening. Hunting Mr X is DC Thompson's first true crime podcast that reveals the unbelievable story behind Julian Chisholm, who also became known as Mr X. It's got a prison break, an assassination plot, undercover surveillance, the lot. Where can I listen to this? Hunting Mr X is available on all your major podcasting platforms from Spotify to Apple. Subscribe now. George, this is a great week for me. I don't really have to think of more than one question. One or two questions. Is Trevor Carson joining Dundee? <laughs> We'll wait and see, I think. Um, asked Tony Dockery about it yesterday. Um, he, he wasn't particularly drawn on, on whether he would be joining or not be joining. Well, he did, he but did he didn't work with no. Derek McInnes for about yeah. 15 days. Derek was the master of going, uh, all right, <laughs> yeah. thanks for asking. So, Derek, you've not answered. <laughs> next, <laughs> question, next question. I know. Yeah. I want to speak about something else. 
but he didn't say no. Um, he's certainly a, a goalkeeper they're aware of and are looking at. Um, it's a position they're certainly looking at. You uh, said that. Uh, which is interesting because they've got obviously they signed up Adam Langston's and Harry Sharp over over the summer, um, but I, I think maybe see Adam Langston's as, as a, a backup. Maybe they want to, or at least to add competition into yeah. that area, right. um, and, and that would I, I guess it would maybe see Harry Sharp go out. Alone, I haven't heard anything on that, but it would make sense because we saw last season when they had three. First team goal is that uh, Harris Sharp got a few games at the start of the yeah. season, then he lost his place, and then he, he never he hasn't played a game since. So that's no good for a young player. Um, but in terms of Trevor Carson, uh, he's a he's a goalkeeper I've, I've always rated, uh, particularly SPFL level. I think he did he's done very well at St Mirren, but it's quite clear that they are happy to let him go. They've brought in an, an, another goalkeeper in Zach Hemming from uh, on loan from Middlesbrough yesterday. Um, and all the all the kind of everything coming out of Simon seems to suggest that they're happy uh, if somebody else wants to take him, but they'll have to pay some money for him. I was going to say, Alan, is that a reflection on the point you made about maybe United were paying too much because St. Mirren, because Stephen Robinson's a big Trevor Carson fan, but could it be that St. Mirren are like, well, we had to pay quite a lot of money when when we first brought him in? You know, in terms of a wage, I would l absolutely love to <laughs> know the answer to why <laughs> St. Mirren are getting rid of Trevor Carson, yeah. and uh, I think it probably falls into the category of one we'll never find out the answer of. Because um, for it to have gone so swiftly to from him being an absolute standout performer, that's and, been very quick, hasn't it? This yeah. Yeah, yeah, so quick yeah. that um, yeah, it's, I don't cover the club, I don't know them well enough, so I'm not going to throw stones, but it is weird how quickly yeah. um, that has gone from him being a pivotal performer and their first ever top six finish since rebranding to the mm -hmm. you know the, mm -hmm. the, the, the system as it is now, um, to being available for transfer and the club quite clearly <laughs> fielding um, offers. Yeah, you know. the, the, yeah. yeah, I think they're... Yeah, they're Want some some interest in him yes, quite clearly. I think one hundred percent. So um, that yes, is... the manager says, I don't talk about players who are under contract here who might be available for mm -hmm. transfer like Trevor Carson. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's um, an interesting one. And whether it's a wage thing, whether it's a personality clash, whether it's anything, I, I really don't know. I really don't know. Um, but it's a fascinating situation. And if the upshot is. Dundee can get a, themselves a, a fine top flight goalkeeper, yeah. then it's all good. But um, it will be very important to make the numbers add up um, because the 35 years old, if you're going to be paying a, I don't think it'll, I don't think we'll get to six figures. I think that's a fanciful. But you know, if he's paying five figures and a multi-year contract potentially, would if I was writing the story and Bailey was doing <laughs> the headline. <laughs> <laughs> it's. Uh, I think St Mirren would like it to be six figures. <laughs> yeah. I think that would that would be yeah, fair. But um, yeah. the numbers certainly need to add up from a from a Dundee perspective because there is um, you know the age to consider and, yeah. and all that good stuff. But it's. I think it would be a, a, just purely football and wise. It'd be a very good addition that. Oh, undoubtedly. He, he yeah. basically knocked Dundee out of the Scottish Cup last season at St Mirren. I think, what was it? Yeah, we were there that two, day two, and he two was, three out, penalties, he, he was, was outstanding throughout the game. Mm -hmm. Made a couple of big saves and then when it came to penalties, um, made a couple of big saves in the, in the shootout as well. Um, 
Yeah, it's a strange one at, at, at St. Man. I don't know really what's going on because... Dun- I was just thinking, though, what, what, you always... You, some players and some... And I'm not throwing stones at St. Man or anyone else here. Some coaching teams even... Are, because they're together for quite a long time mm-hmm. or at various points in their careers, you always think, oh, they must get on really well. But sometimes maybe yeah. they don't like each other. For you know, you don't know what the personal relationships like. Yeah, it was Stephen Robinson seems to have taken Trevor Carson wherever he's going in football. Yeah, he's managed him uh, with three different clubs. Yeah, so mm-hmm. it's, uh, I, I never liked you, but you corrected my grammar <laughs> and my spelling. So I, I, that was quite, my job. I was quite happy. That was called my job. <laughs> I had to do that. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> I'm, I, it's a strange one. Uh, has there been a, a major fallout? It may just be that Trevor Trevor Carson feels he can't get more money at Dense Park, which is obvious because that that that's could she seems to be the only reason why he would make make the switch, Tom. But from Dundee's point of view, as George has pointed, they get an international goalkeeper. They get a goalkeeper who I would say is very good at just keeping the ball out the net. Yeah. Mm. You know, it doesn't have to be fancy. Keep the ball out the net. And the one thing they've also got as well, Tom. They've got his centre half there standing in front of him and Joe Shaughnessy. And the two of them together, suddenly you start getting a bit of, you know, straight away you've got that communication thing. Yeah. That obviously worked for St Martin last season. So if it, it comes to pass and it does look like it will come to pass that Trevor Carson ends up at Dens, you know, Dundee is it's another Premier League standard player yeah. at the club. You know, I think it would be a, it would be a great signing for Dundee, but it'll be interesting to see just sort of how much money changes hands. Well, that's the, find yeah. out. I think it's quite clear that if they manage to get that one done and everything goes smoothly, it's quite clear that they're back in Tony Dorkey in, in the transfer market and going to Ireland for a pre-season trip mm-hmm. next week. Um, which I think it already looks like they're backing them. That's, okay. I mean. yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. It really does, you Do, know, because yeah. there was no sign of a preseason trip when Gary yeah, Boyer was in charge. Absolutely, and even yeah. you know, I know there's a lot, of, a lot of interest in Scott Tiffany, for example. Yeah. So they'll they'll have not offered him an inconsequential deal to go to Dundee. So I think they've done. I think they've done a lot. Portales won't be coming for for pennies either. You not thought? For, yeah, I forgot all about Portales. <laughs> <laughs> that was while, yeah. while I was on holiday. That was. A, <laughs> I must admit, I did. I opened up my phone while I was coming on, for potatoes. <laughs> I opened up my phone when I was on holiday and I thought I really liked that one it, it felt like Bonetti again didn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's been a while since we've had one of those with Dundee <laughs> very, very very much looking forward to seeing what he's all about but the, the fact that he's, he's trying to get Carson and he's got Portales he's got Shaughnessy and uh, yeah, through the door does that sort of suggest Tony, Tony Doherty knows Dundee need Premier League quality at the back yeah mm-hmm. especially that's where he's going to start you know, he's going to build from the back oh, forward. Yeah, that's what... That, that, I asked him about that yesterday, actually. And the first attack will be October. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he said that it's been a, a a strategy that they've implemented. They want to build from the back. And they know they have to build a new team, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of players still left over from last season and more than happy with them. But he wants... To, when he's building his team, he's starting with the back. And so it seems like an eminently sensible way to, to go about things. Um and the manager's prom- promising even more signings as well. As yeah, well, he said they're close to signings, which is uh, multiple, um, or plural, that's probably the right word. I don't know where my English has gone. Um, they certainly need a striker. Um, the, the only senior one they've got in the books is, is Zach Rudden. Obviously, he was away on loan last season at, at St. Johnston. Um, player, I think, has got ability, but... He, 
And, and not the finished article. No, exactly that. I think. But could it be that it could be? I mean, Doherty, but then he he's like obviously, got, he's obviously got a budget there, but it's likely that whoever comes in as a number nine will be the highest paid player at the club. Well, number nines usually are. Absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. So it's worth it's worth spending a bit of time to get to get the, that. Oh, yeah. And I think there's obviously you, discussions. You get that hints. hint of bitterness in the long serving former <laughs> goalkeeper pair <laughs> <fair> there. <laughs> number nine's always got one of me. <laughs> right, rightly so. Rightly so. As long as they can deliver, they're yeah. worth it. Well, that's it. um, what there's what two months still to go in the, yeah. in the window, so that that's one you have to get right, isn't it? That, that was uh, the last season in the Premiership. It was obviously a very poor season, but the big problem they had was scoring goals. Um, I think the top scorer that season was Danny Mullen on seven. Um, and Danny had to work really hard to get those seven yeah. goals. I've got to say, nothing. It was nothing easy. No. Um, they'd gone with Lee Griffiths to, to hope that he, he'd be the one to get those goals and that, that never worked out um, actually since Keane Hemmings can you name the, the guy that scored the most the highest number of goals in one season probably a surprise from Dundee Zach Robinson Sophie and Musa hmm. 14 I can't even remember <laughs> I think he was usually remembered for uh, missing chances around taking yes. them, but it tells you how difficult it is to find uh, the number nine that could score you the goals to keep you up. But as we said, very much appears that Dundee are back in their, their new manager in in the transfer market, and interesting to see what they come up with uh, for the the man who will get those goals. It's another one of these ones. Dundee periodically have it's another exciting summer, but. Hopefully this one will extend very, until after the ball starts. Being. Yeah, very <laughs> important summer time because, you know, they've got a new manager. Um, he obviously realises that well, they did well last season. You know, they weren't strong enough. They've lost umpteen players because they were on loan deals. So he has to put, has to put his mark on. And as, as these signings suggest, the board, as the, I would always say this to Dundee fans, the board have backed their managers. Yeah in terms of finance when they have been promoted or even in the championship compared to other clubs you would say who, who would be you know in the championship teams at the top end or in, in the premiership teams around them who you would expect to be probably battling away in the bottom six Dundee have had a budget there that should be enough to keep their, their heads above water but they haven't got it right Tony Doherty has to get it right this time you know you know, it's his first step into management there's a lot of you know, there'll be a lot of sort of the spotlight will fall on him very quickly if Dundee don't get off to a, a decent start. So he's obviously wanting the right men in, but the fact he's got the defenders in already and possibly a new goalkeeper suggests very quickly earmarked the priority. Yeah. The next priority will be the striker. That could take a bit longer because while they will have money to spend, strikers again Everyone wants a striker. options. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it could be whoever's willing to pay the most for him, whoever Dundee are after will get him. So I'm sure he's got more than one, more than two, uh, you know, lined up. But it could be the case again, as Alan said, the transfer window will run for quite a few weeks yet. Yeah, it could be the case the season has actually started before yeah. you get the man in that you actually want. You yeah. just have to wait and see. Interestingly, I always think of um, foreign arrivals, it's dependent on a work permit. But George has come up with an interesting fact here that Antonio Portales has to pass an English test as well. Well, it wasn't me that came up with it. It was Tony Doherty <laughs> that came up with it. I think last week, but yeah, but you, you part of you his visa thing. It out from him, George. <laughs> no, I wasn't even there. I was still 
to do yeah. that with suffering in the heat Scottish yeah. signings as well that could be quite interesting that, well, could or George himself <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hope they haven't asked me for help <laughs> I'm just thinking, if, if anyone said to me that was a right good story you wrote and then and I was like well what story was that and then they were, they were, they were explaining the story and I'm thinking that was that was George that was Neil Kennedy that was Sean Hamilton I would always tell the person who wrote the story, but I wouldn't tell the person who was praising yeah. me. Oh, absolutely. You take, you take <laughs> what you can get. Oh, this it was a good day. Just one of those. But it's interesting, but it's an, it is an interesting. What interests me in particular about it is, on my birthday, my daughter, who lives away up north, made a surprise visit, and I had a tear in my eye and said, oh, this best birthday present. And she said, I, I can only stay half an hour, my friend. She said, a work colleague of hers from Bulgaria speaks unbelievable English, has passed the test, and been lived in this country for five or six years. But you have to repeat the test. Yeah, yeah, you have to go, and you have to go to Edinburgh for it. Oh, it was like <laughs> a four-hour journey on a Saturday. I got half an hour of my daughter on my birthday, so it was good. But you do actually have to. Re you, you you have to sort of show that you haven't forgotten everything if you passed the first hmm. test. It's, it's quite. She's, this this lady spoke better English than I did. It's interesting <laughs> because... I, I thought you were going to say that wouldn't be hard. <laughs> no, I, it feels like low-hanging fruit, doesn't but it? <laughs> but it's... it's it would be interesting to know how stringent it is. I'm genuinely curious about that sort I th of thing. I, I've seen some of the the quiz that you have to do, I think, in right. terms of history and stuff like that. It's really hard Aye. for us, even yeah. though we've been... Obviously, schooled in this country, but we, we don't get don't taught want, that we stuff. We don't want quizzes on on, uh, on the podcast. <laughs> never do well with quizzes. My daughter did tell me later that what they did is they got two people that were sitting the test to have a conversation with each other in English and mm. watched them, and that was a big part of them saying, "Yeah, well, you you could obviously speak English mm. well enough, but it's uh, you just hope yeah. that, that Mexico, which is a huge country, so I'm being a bit." Yeah. A bit parochial here, but you just hope that the fact that it's a, right across the border from America, you can at least speak yeah. like Stasky yeah. yeah. Hutch or something like that. He'll, he'll, he'll pass it. He'll There's pass no it. I um, guarantee you, and within a couple of weeks, you'll be swearing just like the <laughs> Spanish <laughs> defenders will yes. well, I think Tony Docky said in, in the interview that he'd been speaking to him on Zoom and he answers ah, everything perfect, in English. Perfect. So, yeah. far, you say that, I remember um, going way back when Dusan Virpo. Uh, signed for Dundee, he didn't speak English, I don't think he had to sit a test, but uh, after a few months he was telling me a story that he was um, playing in a game and the referee said to, said to him, did Alan Dinney and Billy Dodds teach you English by any chance? And he went, yeah, they, they helped a lot. He said, well, and he, uh, words that I can't repeat here, the referee said, those words in particular you should never use to a referee. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but, but I'm really looking forward to seeing. Uh, obviously, I haven't seen his videos, and the man likes a tackle. Um, it's interesting to see if he can bring that aggression to the Dundee defence and see what what it looks like when he when he arrives. They're, they're hoping he'll be here pretty soon, but it's just a waiting game to get. Yeah, it's that thing. He's got to get all his permissions before he can actually officially train with Dundee. Yeah, yeah. sometimes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, some, sometimes people are seen running around a park on their own. Yeah, purely coincidentally. <laughs> yes. yeah. Yeah. When they're here, but it, it is an interesting one. Well, guys, 
I've exhausted my English. Thank goodness I don't. They'd kick me out of the country if they, they got me to set a test. So that's it for this week. Thank you very much. If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the Tele Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tanadice or go to thetele.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door. <laughs>